Hi, and welcome to the Wise Women's Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Angela Council. And with a background as a naturopath, I thought I knew exactly what happened to women when they reached menopause until I experienced it myself. I then realized that there was so much more to this time of life than what was written in the textbooks. I decided it was time to bring this stage of life out of the closet and to have some open and honest conversations with women who are going through the same journey. Wise Women's Conversation has been created to share information and experiences from other wise women in our community. Sit back and listen to the wise women speak. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of Wise Women's Conversations. And this week, and I say say this every single week with every guest, but this guest is very special. So Francisca Islay has been a dear friend of mine for many, many years. She's actually been a mentor. She's been a coach. And I've worked with her over the years with building my business, but there's so much more to Francisca than just marketing, which is what her business is all about. She's a beautiful human being and she has the biggest heart in the world. And she's recently released a book called The Courage Map, and it's the 13 Principles for Living Courageously. Now, Francisca does this so well. About two years ago, she decided to jump on a motorbike and ride across what's known as the Silk Road. And that's in a part of the world which I really don't know a lot about. Um, It's where all the stands are, all the stand countries are, and, and Iran and all of that. So she did eventually um, team up with Mike, who was a mechanic, and her ex-husband came with her as well, so that she didn't do the whole journey on her own, but parts of the journey she did do on her own as a single female on the back of a motorbike going into some of these countries which um, don't always have the best reputation because there's a lot of drug trade going on. But what Francisca was looking for when she was on this journey were moments of humanity and she found so many of them. She put herself in a place where her heart was open to receive these moments and people along the way were giving her food when you know she had accidents on the bike, they were helping her, they were rebuilding her bike. She was able to travel along the one of what is known as one of the notorious highways in the world and still find help. And as um, Francisca was going on this journey, this is when she wrote the book and she spoke about, you know, the different, the different stories of what happened on that journey, what she learned, the people she met. And we're going to talk to Francisca today about some of that. And I really hope that you love listening to her because she is an absolutely beautiful woman. You will notice she's got a bit of an accent. She's a Swazi. So she's a Swiss Aussie, um, but and she's got a beautiful sense of humour and she's always looking for the good in everyone. So I truly hope that you enjoy listening to this conversation that I have with Francisca and I'll be back at the end to have a bit more of a chat with you. Bye for now. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Wise Women's Conversations. And this week is going to be an absolutely fun adventure because Francisca is a really good friend of mine, but she is all about fun and she's all about adventure. And today we're going to have a chat to her about her book called The Courage Map. And she's going to share with us a few things about a journey that she's been on um, in the last, I don't know, probably 18 months ago, a month or so, as she's decided to ride a motorbike down the Silk Road. And I didn't even know what the Silk Road is. And so she's going to share with us and she's going to talk to us about all these different countries that once again, I didn't even know existed. So hi, Francisca. (laughs) Hey, Angela. I am so happy to speak to you again. Finally, it's been so long. It's It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, and I always love talking to you. So this is really good. So share with our audience who you are and how you got to be doing what you're doing today. Yeah, so who I am, I have a name and it's always such a great question, you know, who are you? Because you can respond to this in all sorts of ways. I'm a, yes. I'm a rebel, I'm a little yes, bit irreverent, I'm a Swazi, oh, yes, you know this. I'm a Swazi, so I'm a Swiss-born Aussie now. I, I grew up in Switzerland and have been in Australia for 15 years, still have an accent and obviously geography in Australia I was struggling, <laughs> struggling with. and. I run a few businesses. The one that most people know about is called Basic Bananas. 
it's a marketing mentoring business and ocean lovers is another one of my passion businesses it's only startup and where we are all about ocean conservation and the business hood is a brand consultancy angela knows all of these ventures that has been involved with us forever and ever and ever i reckon you're one of our first customers 11 uh, years ago been there for a long time <laughs> yes we and we miss you and yeah and i love adventures and so this book that i believe we are going to share some insights from is my third book and it's very different to my other two from before the two previous ones were all about business and marketing and branding and this one here is all about courage so it's a lot more of a personal journey and sharing that silk road journey on the motorbike and lessons from that trap from that trip from that road trip yeah so and yeah when i re i've just read the courage map and it was it was so much more about you and it is a complete you know yeah it's different to the first two books but this is really about you and it really to me embodied who you are and i'm going to ask you a few questions basically from some of the stuff that i got from the book but number one because i've known you for so long i knew that one of your dreams was to be invited to Richard Branson's island. Yes. Richard Branson wrote the forward of this book. Yes. Oh my God, you have a memory, <laughs> an amazing memory. You know what? This is so cool. So yes, that's so interesting that you know that. I've known you a long time. <laughs> you have known me since I'm pretty much in my, out of my um, pampers or what you call them. <laughs> and nappies and almost. and. Yes. So it, when I first started the first business about 11, 12 years ago, the very, very first business was called Global Beat, which we then rebranded into Basic Bananas. So we could say it was a bit of a failure, the first business. And then Basic Bananas was born about 11 years ago. And Richard Branson's book, Losing My Virginity, was one of my biggest inspirations on how I wanted to run a business. And then I've always had this dream that I wanted to go to his island Necker Island, he's got an island in the British Virgin Islands and in the Caribbean. And I wanted to be invited. I didn't want to go and pay a silly amount of money because you can do that. And I didn't want to do that. I just thought, you know what? I, I want to be invited to go. And so last year I did, I got invited to go as part of a tech challenge with a guy I know who runs this global tech challenge. And I got invited to go for a week with a few of my friends and while I was there, I already had the manuscript finished for this book. And before I even got invited and I knew I was going to be invited, when I wrote the manuscript about two years ago, I started working on this book. I wrote on the, on the second page, first page was the title. Second page I wrote forward by Richard Branson. And when I gave the manuscript to my editor, this was before I had a publisher, I got my editor to work on it and she said, oh, is Branson writing your foreword? And I said, yeah, I think so. She's like, yeah, good luck with that. She didn't believe me. And I knew the only way I can ever get close to him saying yes is I just have to ask him. So while I was on Necker Island for a week, we had a few conversations about this motorbike trip and I didn't want to just ask him and be a fangirl. So I, I just, you know, had conversations with him about different things and the ocean and ocean conservation and adventures. And then on the second last day, he was sitting there reading a paper. And I thought, this is, this is the last chance I have to actually ask him if he would be interested to write the foreword because I won't see him anymore after. And he's really hard to get hold of. So I just sat down next to him and we spoke a little bit more about ocean conservation and the projects we're doing with ocean lovers and then I just asked him I was super nervous my heart was racing and I said look Richard I know you get asked a lot of these requests and I do feel a little bit weird asking but would you be interested in writing the foreword for my next book which is on on the motorbike journey and courage and then he looked at me and he he said well Francisca I really like what you do and I like what you're all about I do get a lot of these requests and I only write one of these forwards per year. So I thought, okay, he's brushing me off. And he said, just send it to me, send it to me and I'll take a look. And I'm like, this is sort of his way of saying, yeah, but no. <laughs> so I send it to him. And then about two months later, he got back to me and said, hey, it would be my pleasure to write 
the forward and then another maybe four weeks passed and he sent me the forward which is really beautiful so that's so that was obviously that took a lot of courage i mean actually let's just talk about that why do we put some people up on pedestals so i mean you've met the man and from what i understand he's quite you know you know he's nice to get on with so why do we put people up on pedestal and then why does it become a big leap then to ask for something? Yeah, it's really interesting because I normally don't put people on a pedestal. He's the only guy in the entire world. I've met a lot of interesting people that people would put on a pedestal. One example, I didn't even know, but I, I think because I'm a bit irreverent, I, I normally don't put people on a pedestal and it's normally very easy for me to just ask and approach someone. So remember when I first moved to Australia, I was at a bar, I was at some uh, surf magazine thing, opening thing in DY and I was at the bar talking to this guy about music and then my girlfriend came over and she said to the guy that I was talking to, she said, oh, Francisca also plays the saxophone. And I said to the guy that I've been talking to for the last hour or so, I said, oh, do you play the saxophone? And then... <laughs> My friend said, yeah, he's, he's from in excess. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. And then we just kept talking and the guy was obviously very happy that I had no idea who he was when, until I was told who he was. And then it was still just a normal conversation. So I normally don't put people on a pedestal. So I can't really tell you why, but I think with Branson, as I mentioned, I was, I was, and maybe still, I'm definitely a little bit of a fan girl. It's just, I don't know why I, uh, I don't know. I can't answer the question. <laughs> That's all right. So <laughs> tell us about your trip at, that the, the book was written about. So the Courage Map was written about this trip. And I can remember when you, I can remember you posting a, um, a post on Facebook, and this was probably three years ago, and you said, I'm thinking of writing The Silk Road. Has anybody ever done it? And what can you tell me about it? And then I think a few weeks later was, I'm thinking of riding across Iran. Has anyone ever done it? Because everyone's going, don't do it. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Because not only were you going to ride across Iran, as we discover, you were going to try and ride across it on your own, which is a woman on your own riding across Iran. How did all that come about? Why all of a sudden did you want to do that? Or, you know, why? I mean, because that's an adventure and I know how adventurous you are. But why the Silk Road? Why Iran? Yeah, this is a really good question. So, so um, a few different reasons. The reasons why Iran is one, I um, that was before things got a little bit more challenging to get into Iran with politics and now also COVID. And one of the reasons is I've always been called by this Persian culture. I've always been intrigued by it, the history, the poetry the architecture, I love it. And so that was one reason I felt really called to go explore Iran. The second reason is because I also wanted to show people by walking the talk that a lot of the stuff that we hear in the media about cultures is so exaggerated, is so not true. And these are singular small cases of things that do happen in certain countries. That doesn't mean that the whole culture is like that. So I wanted to to almost prove to people that we need to be less ignorant about what's going on outside of where we live. And I thought the best way to do that is to just go through places like these on my own, where I can show moments of humanity, where I can show all these incredible moments with people that are beautiful. And of course, there's a small risk involved, but I, I looked into it and I knew that I would be okay. I knew that I would be okay, unless of course the worst happens, but I knew that most likely I would be okay. Now, why the journey in the first place, the Silk Road journey? I went through a little bit of a, an early midlife crisis, I think. And this is not something I talk about a lot. And now I think two years later, I can probably, I feel more comfortable sharing it, but about two and a half or three years ago, probably I started to question a few things in my life, including my marriage, and I just needed time to think about what I wanted to do. And at, when you are riding a motorbike, you have so much helmet time. You're always in your helmet and alone with your thoughts. It's like, okay, what's going on? And I wanted to, to do it in a, in a way that also is challenging me physically and mentally. 
and emotionally. And so I just suddenly had this really bad idea, the best worst idea to ride a motorbike from Switzerland where, where I grew up and, and send a motorbike to my, my mom's house, which she was not so excited about and ride it through, through Eastern Europe and then into Central Asia and into Asia. And that was sort of the reason is because I wanted to just think a lot and, and figure out what I wanted to do. And you weren't really what would you would call a very experienced motorbike rider either, were you? No, I, I can, especially, I mean, I'm okay. I'm an okay motorbike rider, but I'm definitely not good at maintenance. So I'm not, I'm, I'm a girl and I'm not, I'm not that good at, you know, all the maintenance stuff. So what happened is I was going to do it on my own and I bought a motorbike. I sent it to my mom's house and she said, Hey, I just uh, received a motorbike. It just got to my place. What's what's going on? And I said, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going on a little adventure. And she said, okay, where, where are you going? <laughs> and I said, Oh, just to Kazakhstan through Iran. Nothing major. And she obviously was in the initially was not very excited about that, understandably. And then luckily now I met, so I was embarking on this journey in June. I was in the Bahamas at an ocean conservation event for entrepreneurs in February. I met a guy there, Mike and his girlfriend, Edika, and we had dinner together with a bunch of entrepreneurs and started talking about motorbike, Mike and I. And then I told him, I said, hey, I'm going to go on the Silk Road journey. And he's like, no way. He's like, I've always wanted to do this. I never found anyone crazy enough to come with me. Can I come? And I look at him. I'm like, I just met you like, you know, five minutes ago. I don't know if you're <laughs> weird or crazy or what. I don't know. Like this is, is a little bit random. And then he said, how about we just chat about it a little bit more? And, and also, I don't think you should go on your own. There are a few countries that you probably don't want to be on your own as a blondie female and so we just started talking and luckily I said yes to him joining because he's also a bike mechanic and I had so many bike breakdowns and issues that I, I mean I wouldn't have solved them on my own because I'm not good at it but I would have met people that would have probably helped me a little bit so that okay so let's now get on to the journey and how the how you wrote the courage map because you said I met people along the way and this is part of what you talk about in the courage map because you did, and you've got a series of videos which document this um, journey as well, and I've been watching the videos. The last one just came out a couple of days ago. How is it that you can set off on a journey to a place that, to places that many people have never even heard of, all these Pakistans and all these stand countries that never even heard of, and you don't speak the language. I know you speak four languages, don't you? Yeah, five, but five, not, five. not so much Russian or, you know, yeah. they speak Russian in those. Yeah, so you don't really speak the language. And a lot of times you are kind of almost in the middle of nowhere and you need to be able to negotiate your way different places or you need to get help. And then you talk about this in the Courage Map and these are, because you've got 13 principles. These are some of the principles. How is it that you are able to it all works out okay it always works out it really does you know it really does and even when things don't work out you know when i had moments i had moments like like being stuck at the border of iran where i was standing there and i looked at my bike and i'm like i'm just gonna kick you off the cliff right here and i'm gonna take a bus and ride through iran because i got denied at the border and so Sometimes I had moments or when I did have an accident, I had, these were not things that I planned or wanted to happen, but somehow they always worked out perfectly. And one of the principles in the book that I talk about that I know you are totally also aligned with that is to trust that the universe always has your back. So I believe that going on a journey like this or even going through life like this, and you do this too, is with an open heart. Just go through life and through through journeys, adventures with an open heart and trust that the universe always has your back. Because then when you, you have a rough plan maybe in life, but sometimes, you know, shizzle happens. You've had a lot of that. Sometimes shizzle happens and you're not going left, you're now going right because you have to. And we can either kick and scream 
at it and which I sometimes did for a few minutes. And then I'm like, oh, wait a second, I can't control this outcome, what is happening. So I might as well just skip, <laughs> you know, instead of cry or crawl. And I think this is probably the reason why also not knowing the languages, but always having, I always, the entire journey, even though also the cultures were so different, a lot of these cultures were, were Muslim and I'm a blondie. I didn't wear a scarf. I mean, I, I respected the cultures and I was wearing long sleeve and long sleeve pants in, in a lot of the places where, where I did feel like this is better to be respectful of the cultures, but very different cultures and different, different places we've all come from. I always felt safe with everyone, with men and women. I always felt supported. And I think it's for two reasons. One, when you come on a motorbike, you're so vulnerable. You're so exposed. It's, it's, very, it's very raw because you're, you're, not, you're not inside something. You, it's, it's just- No exposed. protection. No protection. Also all your luggage is sort of on the bike. Everyone can steal everything from you if they want to. Never had a thing stolen. And secondly, just having an open heart and, and not judging anyone or anything, just, just showing up. And then sign language was usually the way we rolled or also Google Translate sometimes when somebody wanted to have, pretty much everybody wanted to have a conversation and they just started chatting at you in, in Russian or, or Tajik or, or any of the languages, Turkish. And we just normally took out the Google Translator. Everyone also wanted to take selfies everyone took selfies and then started chatting away and we just had the Google Translate or the sign language. <laughs> so when it comes, let's talk a little bit about trust because there's one thing to trust the universe, but, if, and you write about this, trust, it's not about trusting the universe, it's about trusting yourself first, isn't it? How yeah. did you, how did you talk, let's talk about that. How did you develop that self-trust? Because I know that from a very young age, you left home and you travelled to South America uh, on your own. Oh, I think you were you sixteen, yeah. and it's like most of us. Once again, you know, because we have the vision of what we believe South South America would be like. And to, for a young sixteen-year-old girl to be travelling on her own, I mean, you had to have something within you that meant that you knew that that was going to be okay. And that's yeah. part of the essence of who you really are. I think so. And you know what's interesting? For a very long time growing up, even until my 20s, I always thought, because my mom would always say to me, and she even says it now, and it's okay because you pick your battles, she always says, I'm naive. And I thought, okay, cool. I guess I'm naive. That's just who I am, and, and it's okay. I'm naive. It, I, it's sort of this naivety, as in labeled naive, is leading me to a lot of insanely amazing adventures and <laughs> moments of humanity. So I'm cool with it. And then, I realized even actually probably even more so when I started writing the book and researching courage and, and trust and the principles, I realized that, oh, wait a second, maybe it's not so much that I'm naive, that, but that I trust in myself. And that may seem as naive. So what I mean by that is that I think I started to learn my intuition without knowing that I'm doing that from a very young age. So just knowing what what I believe in and what I feel and what, what my intuition is telling me. <clears throat> and with that, I sort of know when I can follow strangers or when I maybe shouldn't follow a stranger. And most of the time, the intuition is spot on. <laughs> and that, that, sometimes that, that's why my mom would say I'm naive because I would follow a stranger if it feels right. But I also wouldn't follow someone if, if I feel like, oh, something doesn't feel quite right here then I wouldn't. So I think it's just trusting yourself, which means that you trust your intuition. And when you can trust yourself, the second trust is then you can trust others. And thirdly, also you can trust that, you know what, the universe always has my back, even when we go through really bad, bad times, which I know, you know, we've all gone through challenging times. It's okay. You know, there, there is going to be a, an end eventually, <laughs> and it will all make sense somehow. <laughs> So tell us, what are poop showers? Oh my God, poop showers. <laughs> I love them. And you know, I think you know, you know that I love making up words and, and I love sharing content in, in frameworks and also giving things names. And I've shared this concept with my team 
when I first realized, oh, wait a second, there is a thing that is called poop showers, which I made up, obviously. And it's really helped my team too. So what they are, where, let me first share the origin. I mentioned before, when I started the journey and I went home to start and I had, obviously I went to my mom's house. I always go to my mom's house when I go home and I also stay with her, which is sometimes challenging, but I just, you know, want to make sure that she knows that I love her. And so I stayed with her and I got showered with poop showers in the beginning of, before I headed off on the road. Again, because obviously her, she loves me and I'm her only daughter. She's got me and, and my brother and my father passed away. And her poop showers were driven by her fear. She was, she was actually, I didn't notice, notice until later into the journey. She thought that I might not come back from this trip. So, so she, she showered me with a few things that were not super nice. And, and that a lot of the things that she said had nothing to do with me or the journey. She said stuff about my dad, about my brother. And I realized that that's just because her behavior is driven by fear. And all I can do is now respond with kindness and come from a place of love. Because if I now go into my own fear or a defense, it's not going to help anyone. So that's where the concept of poop showers came from originally. And then I realized that we all face poop showers in life, whether we are driving down a busy road and somebody is beeping at us because they're having a, a bad day and maybe they're screaming out of their window or you know showing us the bird or whatever <laughs> that's a poop shower or we might come home and maybe our partner is grumpy for some reason and then we get showered with a poop shower or we might pick up the phone with a client and they are grumpy so what i realize is that the best way to respond to any of these showers is with kindness and i taught my team this i said guys every now and then people are showering you with these showers and it's because we don't know why maybe they're having a bad day or it's something is not going super well it's nothing personal the only way to respond is with kindness and it's really helped it's really helped them and this is so much of what you're talking about you know and i'm hoping it's coming through because this is this is who you are and this is a lot of stuff that i've learned from you because you i've always kind of looked at who you are and thought, I wish I could be like her because it's like nothing ever worries you. Mm. But, but I do know that there are times and you do write about it in the book that there are times when it, like life isn't perfect, but you have your moments, but you're able to pull back out of that really relatively quickly. And you do it a lot of the time with playfulness and playfulness is your thing. It's very, and you mean your businesses, I mean, basic bananas, it's all about playfulness. It's, it's one of your key, you know, whatever your values, whatever it is, it's like, that's who you are because that's how you approach things. It's very lighthearted. And I know that sometimes, and I, I've, I've been on the receiving end of this sometimes, is sometimes when you say things, people can take it as being blunt when in fact, what you're doing is you're being playful. How is that kind of, so talk to us about that, the playfulness. And then sometimes like, and I think in the store, in the, um, the book, you talk about um, meeting someone and he was a Nazi or something like that. And then you made a, a playful comment, but it was just a comment that allowed him to start thinking about what the comments he was making. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much in that, what he just shared that is so, so supportive of, you know, for every, anyone listening. And yes, so, so number one, yes, I don't let too many things phase me. I, I just don't think it's, it, I don't think it's a good use of my time to be grumpy about something. I am very clear. And this is a, maybe a quick, a quick thought that I will share because I feel like, especially for women, I think this is really important. I'm very, very clear on my boundaries. I'm very clear on my values. And, and, you know, adventure, of course, is one of them, love, trust, courage, impact and evolution. And I'm very clear on my values and also my boundaries. So when something is happening or, or I'm meeting someone who I feel like is, it's just crossing my boundaries or it's, it's you know, with, with a poop shower from my mom, of course, I will never abandon her. If I get poop showers from, from a possible friend... <laughs> a new friend, I'm very clear. I'm moving away. I, I don't have time. If I get poop showers from a long time childhood friend, I deal with it. 
because I, they're like family. So it's it's the numbers. The first num first important thing I believe for women is just know your boundaries, know your values, and then respect them yourself first, and also expect others to respect your boundaries. And if they can't respect them, I just move away. I don't. I just don't feel like it's it's that a good use of my time to to be upset about stuff. And then the playfulness. Yes. I wrote about playfulness in, playfulness in the book and it took me quite a long time to, to dissect it because where it came about is a few people, normally when I speak on stage, which I don't do right now because of, of COVID, but normally people would come and they say, hey, where, you know, how do you do this playfulness thing? And, and, and how do you do more of that? And I'm like, I don't, I don't actually know. It just happens. And so I had to start dissecting it. And it's really what I realized with playfulness, it's this, very subtle art to make fun of yourself a little bit. So bring lightheartedness by making fun of yourself first. And it's very, it's a very quick way to disarm situation. So often at border crossings, we had a lot of border crossings. I think we went through 13, 14 countries, a lot of border crossings. And usually Mike, who is American, he was like, oh, another crossing, you go first. And of course, normally the border crossing officials, they start off being a little bit like stern because they have uniforms and it puts them into this state. And my, my sort of exercise was always to see, can I crack them? Can I crack them? And usually I could. And it usually was through playfulness. So by, by sort of, first of all, showing that I'm on the same page with them. Hey, I'm here. I'm, I'm not going to cause any issues. And also I'm making a little bit fun of myself. And it's just a really great way, I feel, to, to go through life and to bring a little bit of lightheartedness to situations. And you can do this in any situation, you know, even when, when I, I mentioned earlier, and again, this is not something I often talk about. When I came back from the journey, I did realize that I have had to, to change something in my relationship, in my marriage. So I broke up and it was all very amicable. And Christo also, who, who is amazing and who you also know, he's an amazing human. And I can talk about it now because he's got a, a new partner and she is amazing. And I feel like, you know, he's in a good place and I'm in a good place. And when, when we broke up, it was also, we had playful moments in there. It was so, it was hard and it really was horrible for a year. I reckon it was just hard emotionally. And I remember one day we were talking about obviously, you know, separation. And then I sort of playfully said, hey, how about... I take the olive oil because I moved out. I take the olive oil and you keep the Tesla. And it was just like, <laughs> it was just all playful in a way that in a, in a, in a place that is quite dark. So I think playfulness is, is just, it's very useful, but it needs to start with not, not pointing the finger, but with sort of making fun of yourself a little bit first and pointing out your own flaws. Yeah. And I think that's important, particularly for, because when women are kind of going through menopause, there's a lot of things going on. Physically, their body's changing, hormones are changing, a lot of emotions are going on. And for a lot of women, they can often feel like their value has diminished because now they're no longer full-time raising children. You know, you know, they're just kind of not sure who they are, where their value lies. And the way you talk is like, just bringing the lightness in it because we can get really heavy about what's going on and we can, you know, poop shower on ourselves because, you know, yes. all of a sudden we're not feeling the best. We're not looking the best. We, you know, we're having arguments with everyone because, and this is part of the change, but if we start to lighten up a little bit and just kind of go, well, hang on, you know, let's make a little bit of fun out of this. And as you say, make fun of yourself first but not in a derogatory way, just in a light way and a way that kind of lifts that energy. Yeah, in a loving way, exactly, in a loving way. Because we, we can't, and this is something that, that I wrote about in the previous book that you also read, Perception, we can't often control the circumstances. We can't control that our bodies change or that some things in, in life happen, we can't control them. But we can always, always, always control how we respond. And so if something is changing in my body or in my appearance or in, in my external life, I may not be able to control that, but I can control how I respond to it. So I can own it. I can maybe own how I feel or how I look or how I have more wrinkles or whatever, whatever it is. So 
and this is this is something that I've always kind of struggled with. In the past, there's always been this thing, oh, we've all got to be fearless, you know, and there used to be events that I went to called fearless. And I kind of going, well, do we really want to be fearless? What's the difference between being fearless and being courageous? Yeah, I love that. I love that. And you know what? This is, this is a little bit of a, my personal pet peeve is when people, especially on social media, you know, they advertise this perfect life and like, fearless leaders and fearless this and also yesterday i did a, a talk a virtual talk for women of entrepreneurs and also their husbands and somebody said as women can we really have it all you know she said a lot of people talk about you can have it all and i said the challenge with these statements is that yes i do believe that you can have whatever you want. I think whatever you set your mind to, you can go after it. It's like the Richard Branson thing is an example of if you really want something, you make it happen. I, went on, I jumped on a plane and traveled for 34 hours to, to go and ask him personally. But maybe sometimes we can't have everything at the same time. Mm. Like right now, for example, me personally, I would love to be on a motorbike somewhere again in Tajikistan or in South America. I would love that. I can't right now. First of all, because I can't travel because of COVID, but also secondly, right now with all the changes, I actually have to be here for the businesses. I couldn't just go fluff around right now. And the business actually needs me. So even if the doors were open, the borders, I couldn't have it all right now. I can have right now working on the businesses. And then once I can, I can go and adventure again. So that's the first thing. And then fearlessness. So what I have found is that courage is not about being fearless it's about taking action despite the fear so it's about knowing that fear i also talk about it in the book and i had to research fear a lot to understand it when what i found is that fear is a natural human behavior it's usually a, a reaction that we have when something is causing fear it's a way to protect us and it's a way to protect us to either fight flight or freeze and so it's very naturally natural for humans to we're not robots mm -hmm. it's natural for us to feel fear and and courage is about taking action even when we feel the fear so get comfortable with being uncomfortable mm. talk to us about that oh i love that i love that and again this is something that I, that i always tell my my team members and anyone that wants to hear it, I think it's one thing also that I have found through the research is that courage is a skill. So yes, we may be born a little bit with courage and also of course the first few years of our life, lives we may have conditioned to either be more courageous or less courageous. I was lucky enough to have a brother who was a little bit more, a bit shy and he was, he's two years older. So he would always push me in front of people. And so I think naturally I had to be a bit more courageous because I wanted to prove myself. And he sort of used me to ask for things, you know, <laughs> Francisca, an ice cream would be amazing right now, wouldn't it? I'm like, yes, ice cream. Why don't you go ask the parents? Oh yes, I go ask. So <laughs> he sort of used me a little bit. And, and so because courage is a skill, it's really cool to get comfortable with the uncomfortable by practicing to be uncomfortable. I personally love we what I talk about in the book is we have these courage boundaries and everyone has different boundaries. My boundaries are different to yours. And there are places in my life where I'm less courageous. If it was a comparison, there, there are places in my life where I'm less courageous than you are. And then there are other places where I'm maybe more courageous than you are. So it doesn't really matter. It's just different boundaries. And one way to grow these boundaries in different areas, relationships and business or, or career and health, family, etc is by getting uncomfortable because we have a boundary and we're comfortable inside. And if we go a little bit outside, it feels uncomfortable. So that could be, for example, for me to surf waves when I feel a little bit like, it's kind of almost borderline too big for me today, but I know that I would be safe. So it's not being reckless. Courage is also not about being reckless. It's not surfing in huge waves that I know I would drown, but surfing in waves that make me a little uncomfortable and paddling out anyway at least just for one wave but knowing that i will not drown or somebody is there with me to look 
you know, make sure that but that's where trust comes back into it again, yes. doesn't it? You trust yes. that you trust your abilities and you yes. trust that it'll be okay. Yes. And then you go anyway, because even if you feel nervous and you do this in different, in different areas of your life, I remember, and I'm still, uh, my boundaries are still probably a bit tighter than maybe for you in, in, facing difficult conversations. I, I got better now because I realized I have a boundary in having difficult conversations. I never liked it. I always avoided conflict and that's my courage boundary. And then I realized oh, if I keep practicing having difficult conversations and, and starting these conversations, even though for me normally it would be easier to do the turtle wisdom and pull <laughs> my head in and just like, oh, it's okay. It's strange because I see you that you do actually do difficult conversations, particularly in business, because that's where you bring your playfulness yes. in. I do now. And, and I really pushed myself to do that a lot because it was a, definitely a little bit of a boundary. Now, I know that um, you, you've got another call, so we have to finish up in a minute. But what was your favorite country that you, you traveled through? <gasps> oh, my God, this is such a great question. So one that totally surprised me out of the blue, because people said that I met a few travels along the way that said, we're not going to go through this country because it's a bit dangerous. And I loved it so much. And that was Tajikistan. And Tajikistan is the poorest of all the stands. So there's Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan. And Tajikistan is the poorest and it's also the highest. So in Tajikistan, the mountains are crazy high and the road that we took is called the Pamir Highway. And the reason why some people avoided it is because the Pamir Highway is famous for connecting Afghanistan and Kyrgyzstan. And it's the second highest highway after one in, in Nepal. No, in Tibet, actually, the second highest after one in Tibet. And that road is also used to transport heroin from Afghanistan to Kyrgyzstan. And so a few things happen on this road every now and then where there's a little bit of, you know, unrest because of the drugs, obviously. And we, we went there and it blew my mind, the landscapes and the people. I think the people, because they're not used to seeing so many tourists and people maybe on motorbikes, like we were, the kindness was just incredible. And then the landscape, because it was so high up also blew my mind. That was my favorite country. So that's your favorite country and maybe this will be the same answer. Your greatest moment of humanity that you experienced. Yeah, that was in Turkey. So I will never forget that. That was in Turkey. Turkey also blew my mind with all of these countries actually were my favorite, but Turkey also, the people in Turkey, I would say for me were some of the kindest, most beautiful again, because they're, the majority is Muslim and I was just blown away by how unjudgmental they were for me not being Muslim. Even kids, I had conversations with a few kids that are obviously grow, very Muslim and, and growing up in, in that faith. And we had, you know, one guy asked me about my religion and I said, I, I'm not religious. And he, there was zero judgment. We kept hanging out. He gave me his bicycle to, <laughs> to ride and his new bicycle. <laughs> So just so many moments like that, that blew my mind. And one particularly was in a mountain village. I walked into a tiny grocery store to grab some, some snacks for the road. And I walked in and started pointing at some stuff because I don't speak Turkish. And then this guy walks in, older guy, and he suddenly looks at me and he talks in Turkish and I didn't understand. And then he goes, makes a sign to follow him. So I walk out of the store and he looked just like a nice guy. So I walked out of the store and followed him down the road. And Mike was standing in front of the shop with the bikes. And he said, Francisco, where are you going? And I said, I'm just following a stranger. He's like, okay. And then I said, hey, look, if I don't come back in 15 minutes, just maybe come and look for me. So Ibrahim, his name was, and I walked down the road a few blocks and then turned right down a little alleyway. And he led me to this bakery. And... It was a, this tiny bakehouse with three, four women baking bread. And he bought me a fresh bread. And then he walked, and the, the ladies were so excited. They took all the selfies. And then he walked me back to the store. And I grabbed the groceries. And I walked to the checkout and gave the woman my wallet to pay for my groceries. And the guy just pushes in, pushes me away, and pays for all my groceries. And it was just one of these moments. I've never met this man before. I will never see him again. He just wanted to show 
his country and, and the, the hospitality of his country. And it just blew my mind. It was, that was one of my moments where I just thought, wow, this is unconditional kindness and generosity that is incredibly beautiful. And you attracted so many of those moments on your trip, didn't you? So many. We got invited all the time to, like I never drank so much tea in my entire life. <laughs> if someone wants to find the Courage Map and watch your videos, because I highly recommend you watch all of the videos and I know there's still more coming out because what are we up to? Episode 16. Yeah, I think uh, there's... Your adventures. There's Where one more, yeah. Find more? So you can, for the book, you can go to thecouragemap.com and on that page, you can see the links where to get the book on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and all these places. And also, even if you don't want to get the book on that page, you can get a journal. So you can download the journal, which is at no cost. And you can get, it's really cool. It's got a lot of great questions in there. And then for the videos, you can just go to YouTube. And I think if you just type in my name, Francisca Easily, it will show up and otherwise you can go to youtube.com forward slash Francisca easily. And that should also bring you. Yeah. I'll put place. all the links in the show notes anyway. Now I want to thank you for your time today. I thank you for sharing your journey of courage. And I really want to thank you for all the videos that you make because they're so <laughs> much fun. Um, even the ones where you're tumbling down the hill or the, <laughs> the bikes tumbling down the hill. But because I really love the way that you just, just by being you, you attracted all of this kindness and, and it's a reflection of you. I mean, because you put the kindness out, the kindness came back again. And it's just so obvious and so evident with the number of people that you met on this journey who, as you say, you will never see again. You didn't speak the same language, but you were able to get you know, free meals and bread and all of that, <laughs> everything. And it's just because you were just being you and you were just taking, you were being courageous in being you. So I really want to thank you for that. And just before we finish, from one wise woman to another, what are your words of wisdom that you want to share with our audience? Yeah, that's a great question. And for today, I would say, take the chances, take the shots. And this I'm sharing this wisdom because I read a quote the other day that Michael Jordan, and I'm paraphrasing, I think he said something like, he will only ever fail the shots that he didn't take. And I feel this is such a great lesson in life. Just take the chances because we will only ever regret the chances that we didn't take. And the ones that we take and fail are great because we learn from the ones that we fail. And then there are some that we don't fail and they'll like turn out into turn into amazing adventures. So we don't have to travel on a motorbike no, across the Silk don't. Road. It's just I don't recommend it. <laughs> it's just take chances. And that could just be really simple chances of speaking your truth. Yes. It, it could be something really, really simple. It could just be saying it's time for me to look after me and eat properly today. And that could be all that it is, just that one tiny step of what does it take to make change? Yes, absolutely. I want to thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for being a friend and for what you do in the world and the difference that you have made in the world because I know that you make such a difference with all of the work you do, not just with what you do within your businesses, but just who you are. And just because you are you, it's just, you know, knowing you, I have learned so much from you. And I really want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for the difference that you make in the world. Thank you so much. And the same goes for you. Thank you. You're such a light in this world. And you have always worked on projects that you're passionate about and that help other people. And that's exactly what you're doing again now. So thank you also for everything that you're doing. Thank you. And from everyone who's watching, listening, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Francisca learning more about courage, learning more about her stories. I highly recommend that you go and read the book, which has got stories in it and watch her videos. Go and learn what this woman is doing. And yeah, she is amazing. So that's it from me, from my heart to yours. Infinite love and gratitude. I'll be back next week with another Wise Women's Conversation. Bye. Bye.
How did you love that conversation with Francisca? She has got so many interesting stories to tell. And as you noticed, as I said, she's got this open heart and she's so trusting in everything that she does. And if you want to learn more about the work that Francisca's doing, she does so much great work in the world, or just get a copy of the book, The Courage Map. You can pop over to her website, which is Francisca Isolay. Now I'll spell that out. So it's F-R-A-N-Z-I-S-K-A-I-S-E-L-I.com. And I will put the link in the show notes underneath um, uh, this episode. And you can go there and you can purchase a copy of her book, The Courage Map, but you can also download for free a Courage Map journal. So you can actually start on your own journey of courage and you know work through and create something or do something that you've been a little bit afraid to do before. So follow Francisca's journey and do something courageous. And it might not be as big as what she did. It could just be something really simple, but it's something for you. Now, just before I go, this is your last opportunity if you wish to join this round of the seven-day hormone reset. We do kick this off on the 21st of September. And in that seven days, you will learn all about what is happening with your hormones. You will also learn the five pillars to navigate menopause with ease. Now, I spent the last few weeks creating the videos and the guidebooks, and I've absolutely loved doing it. And I'm really excited to bring this out into the world so that people can experience it. And so, you know, so that you can actually start to notice by putting some changes in place how it changes the way that your body feels. And whilst this isn't gonna go the whole way to solving every problem of menopause, it'll start to make those little changes. And when you start to feel a little bit better, maybe then you'll be encouraged to make even bigger changes. So if you wanna become part of the seven day hormone reset, all you need to do is go to the link bit.ly, so bit.ly forward slash seven so just the number seven and then seven day underscore hormone underscore reset all in small letters seven day underscore hormone underscore reset then go over there and you will be able to register and join us and learn a little bit more about what's happened to your body as it changes in this time of life now that's it from me this week and i'll be back next week with another wise women's conversation bye for now